2: is something that happens in life, it happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively.
0: This is where sports talk gets real.
2: That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids.
0: And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports
2: psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and happy, happy new year to everybody out there. It is our first show of 2022. And I am very excited to be here today from our leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. As you know, I've been here for a long time. I'm entering my 21st year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, and it is my 31st consecutive year on radio here in Kansas City. And our shows are podcasted throughout the country. They're rebroadcast in a number of cities the following weekend. And look forward to doing this show every week because you know what? We talk about your mind, your attitude, your focus we talk about you, about sports psychology. It's really the only sports psychology show in the country, and I love doing. You know, it, as I said, I'm entering my 31st year on radio now, consecutive uh, years on radio here in Kansas City, and our show has evolved from when it began called the Mental Power Hour to now the Sports Psychology Hour, and and you know we delve into your mind. And that's what the show is about. It's really the only sports psychology show in the country where we talk about this every week. And I'm very fortunate to have, throughout my, my career, interviewed so many wonderful people. And during this time, I have been fortunate enough to get a number of people on, on this show as guests. And we're going to be having one of those people on today. His name is Willie Lanier. He is an NFL Hall of Famer. And he'll be joining us here in a little bit. And he's coming on to talk about mental health and sports. You know, last week as we finished our show for 2021, I talked about why mental health has become so important. Why the topic of mental health has grown in the world of sports now and has become pertinent and important. And today, like I said, we're going to talk with an NFL Hall of Fame athlete. I met him years ago, and Willie was on the show with us several years ago, and uh, ran into each other a few weeks ago, and he very politely said he'd love to come back on again. So he's going to be joining us in a couple moments. We're going to talk with him about mental health and sports. And, and you know, this is a man who, let me tell you, when you talk about great athletes, he's was a Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs in 1970. Six-time Pro Bowl player, eight-time All-Pro, NFL Man of the Year, College Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, you can't you can't get somebody with better credentials than him. And he's been kind enough to join us this morning from his home in Virginia. Willie, good morning. How are you doing?
3: Good morning. I'm Jiggs. How are you?
2: I'm great. Great to have you on with us again, and. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today.
3: Well, thank you for inviting me to do this.
2: You know, we met years ago. You came on the show years ago, and we talked about psychology and sports. And you obviously have been extremely successful as a, as an athlete, but also after your career in sports, you've gone on to become very successful in, in investments in that world. Last week, I talked about the role mental health has played in sports, Willie, and Obviously, as a sports psychologist, that's what I do. You played football before there were team psychologists around. You had a coach who, I guess, if we if we can really put it in, in honest terms, Hank Strand was a psychologist, wasn't he?
3: Well, I think he felt he, he was, but <laughs> that's the stretch of the term. Taking nothing away from him, but I don't think we should define others unless they have, to do the actual thing you're speaking
2: about. Okay, well, that's very well stated. But but he did, th- he did, at times, think he was a psychologist in terms of what he was doing with you guys, didn't he? Yeah,
3: the, the, I, that's why I have to frame it. That's why I really <laughs> I have to not really go there, because that's where people start getting in trouble with not having the proper... Understanding of what is required in the way that organizational structure has to be presented.
2: Well, I know that as well as anybody, since that's what I do, and have dealt with, God knows how many people who call themselves psychologists who aren't. So, very well stated point there. So, let me ask you: for, Why don't you tell everybody what you're doing now? How's how's life going? Tell us about what's going on with your life right now.
3: Well, life is a long journey. <laughs> that's the first thing I would say. And the reality is that I'm 76 and. As I was saying to Bobby Bell, who might be listening this morning, that as of a day ago, we are, I'm in my 77th year. So the great thing is the joy to be present, able to have these kinds of conversations, not having at this time that I know of any physical ailments that are of issue, having no pain from having played the sport that I did years ago, having never had any surgeries of any kind. So there was no replacement of anything. And uh, part of that was because I took some rather direct uh, points of reference as the things I would do and not do to play the game. And part of that was that I told the team in my first year that I would never take a pain pill, a cortisol shot, or have a knee drain. So there'd be nothing that they would be able to do to me that they don't do themselves because it was illogical. And I was not going to offset my way of understanding who I was and how I had to manage my mind and body, and that doesn't mean everything was done right over time, but it was one of attempting to establish certain guidelines that would give you a chance to have long-term viability. and God does his part, obviously, and you had to do yours.
2: Why were you able to do that at that point? And you're talking about the you know 1960s into the 70s. That That is basically unheard of at that time.
3: Well, the thing that... That I was fortunate in growing up in the segregated society in Richmond. My parents were not college graduates. They were hard workers. Mother was a beautician. Father worked for an electrical supply company. And I was just uh, a young man who was a student who paid attention to everything around him. One of the things that occurred for me was that both of my brothers carried newspapers, and I started carrying newspapers when I was 13 years old. But what happened is that I started to read the newspapers, and by reading the newspapers, I started creating my own uh, IQ because I didn't need someone else to teach me; I was teaching myself. Uh, but part of that, Dr. Jacobs, was that um, that was the Brown versus Board of Education, 1954, which was significant in my life because one of those counties that were of the five that became Brown versus Board happened to be 50 miles from richmond and that county was named prince edward and what it did in 1959 instead of complying with the 54 act was to say no we'll put all the money in white charter schools in that county and therefore for six years black kids who looked like me had no school to attend well at that early point in my life i was trying to understand that education thing must be pretty important because these people t- t- told the Supreme Court, to "Go shove it!" Took the money, put it in, all charter schools, and people look like me can go to school. So that didn't make sense to me. So that meant education had to be important. So what I knew I was going to do was to graduate from college as a business major and have interest in everything. That's about what goes on. So as we talked today on the twenty in January of 22. Yesterday, I had five papers in this house consuming data in them. I got the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Richmond Times Dispatch in my driveway. I then go to a little store in the neighborhood. I get the Washington Post and the USA Today, and I consume everything I could find. and I've done that all of my life. So what that did, going back to years ago, my mother, who was a beautician, had the American Medical Journal in our home, so I consumed it.
2: Willie, Willie, we got to go to our first break here, but we're going to come back and continue this. But you you are basically telling us why you've had the success you've had, and it's because of your mind, your ability to look into things and educate yourself, which I think so many people could learn from today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm privileged to have as my guest today on my 31st year on radio,
0: Willie Lanier, NFL Hall of Famer.
2: I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology
0: Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
2: I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs, host of the Sports Psychology Hour. Is your New Year's resolution to become stronger, healthier, and more resilient? Then start with the Rewire Fitness Neuro Performance app. Rewire Fitness takes a holistic approach to achieving peak performance, letting you strengthen both your body and mind with Rewire's Integrated Resilience Training System. You'll measure and track your readiness to perform across a holistic set of data points using cognitive, physical, and emotional measures. Rewire Fitness uses protocols from NASA, the Navy SEALs, and neuroscientists. And now, Rewire Fitness is offering a free trial to my listeners. Just go to com slash rewire. Click learn more to sign up for your free seven-day trial of Rewire Fitness. That's com slash rewire. Start 2022 by becoming stronger, healthier, and more resilient. Go to winnersunlimited.com slash rewire and click learn more today.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
1: Hello
2: again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and today I'm privileged to have as my guest... NFL Hall of Famer, a man of the year in 1972, Willie Lanier, who's been kind enough to join us from his home in Virginia this morning. And Willie, you know, you were were talking before we went to our break about education and how you basically educated yourself growing up and how important education is. As you know, this show is about the mental side of sports, and I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. Obviously... Just listening to you right there, it's very clear how strong your mind has been. What do you think athletes can do to improve themselves mentally? I mean, education, obviously, reading, obviously, were things you did and you still do, which have, have facilitated your your intellect and, and, and why you're so bright, but you don't see that with a lot of kids today. What would you say to the young athletes today about the importance of education and about the whole psychological aspect of, of, of their
3: being? The thing you can't do is to create, even though I was able to have a a wonderful start, you can create the experiences of assistance. That's where the whole therapy aspect comes into view. Uh, That's where an understanding of your own momentum can take you to a certain distance. So if that is what, as we would talk about this morning, I was able to be a business major in college. I was able to take that first phase of the journey and, and have it benefit and, and, and create its own uh, wonderful initial part of the journey. But because of, if it were race in America, challenges in the sport where it did not allow uh, people of, of my color to be, quote, middle linebackers and Bobby Bell was the first outside linebacker, uh, because you were supposed to be more intelligent to do that in the sport. But it was across all of the parts of our country, and you found yourself confronted with things that you had others around you who really couldn't assist because they knew it, but they saw you as having a breakthrough because you were being paid more. And you were constantly attempting to uh, create its own logic. So there was a lot that went on in the last 50-some years, five years, uh, about the journey for African Americans in our society. In all phases, we happen to be talking about the one which is sport. So I know that I was talking with the owner of the Open Raiders out in Cannon, Ohio this summer, and I was telling him just about myself because we were having some discussions uh, about today's athletes, the ones from yesterday. His father, who was very one of being a promoter of. Uh, wellness as far as African-American diversity as they hired the first Hispanic coach and her first black coach in the NFL, which was Tom Flores and uh, then Art Shell, right? And, and what And what I was telling him was that I had done a senior class paper on a monopolistic aspect of pro football, and that was in 1966. My senior year and my draft was going to be the first common draft where there would be no competition. So with that being the case, uh, the NFL, to merge, had to have an exemption from Sherman Antitrust Act. And Emmanuel Sellers was chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee who was trying to filibuster because he didn't feel that that would be in the best interest of this country. But that wasn't what my table was about. It wasn't about whether I would have a chance to make a team. I was attempting to do things that were interest to me, to me, but based on business. So he was somewhat surprised about that, but he also – uh, I said to him that when the scouts came to the school and they wanted you to run a 40-yard dash and to time you, I said I would not do that because I did not come to school to get a degree in football. I came to get a degree in business. I don't work for you, so I won't do that. So what Zog uh, said to me was that, gee, you were a little rebel, huh? I said no and understand how I say this. I knew that my high school coach, after I only played two years of high school football, he told me in my senior year prior to that that he was going to make me a linebacker because he said I had better lateral movement than anybody had ever seen. That's what he said. I wasn't that big at the time, about 180 or whatever, but he said that's what he saw. But I knew he said lateral movement. He didn't say anything about straight ahead speed which I knew I was quick, but I didn't consider myself any blazing person running a straight line. So what the scouts were coming to do was to time you in a straight line, not something laterally. And I felt that if that was the case, they were going to try to find some way to not acknowledge you for what you could do because you don't know how to manage my mind. You didn't say anything about lateral. I didn't go into all that with him. But what happened was that from there, it became one of seeing how the scouts who would then uh, not acknowledge you and your work. And what I mean by that was that a high school, a college classmate of mine were invited by the Houston Oilers to come down to be interviewed prior to the draft in 1967. We fly to Houston, Texas, halfway across the United States. The scout who was African American who worked for the Houston Oilers then tells us when we get there that it really is a mass workout at Rice University. I called my college coach and I'm not going to do it because the man has lied to me. He said wanting wanted to maintain relationships with his pro football person. Well, son, go ahead and do whatever, whatever. And I'm upset because now you've lied to me and you're talking about working out. And I didn't work out for people. So I didn't give any great effort. And the thing that I saw after I was in the Hall of Fame many years later that there was a write-up from that particular activity in my senior year of college. And what it said was that willow there the five, 11 and three quarters, 248 pounds, ran a 5-140 and was a reject. So I understood that whatever those individuals were doing was attempting to do things that were not in your favor. That was them trying to measure something they did not know how to measure and if you didn't take a, your own bold action, you could just have had found yourself not in their stead because they didn't know how to assist you. So for anyone who would be listening to what I'm saying or being athletic, that's where you have to start having the ability to make your own statements, to understand and let people know who you were, and to make sure that you always expanding your vision, your breadth, so that you could have certain offsets to others' behavior.
2: When we when we come back from this next break, Willie, I want you to talk about self-confidence because that's what I'm hearing in this in this uh, discussion you're, you're you're sharing with us about your career, which is so uh, insightful. Because self-confidence to me is the ability to believe in yourself. And when I listen to you talk here, your confidence at a, at a very young age, being African American in, in a predominantly white sport at the time was extremely high. And I think it's it's one of the reasons it propelled you to the, the career and the, the successes that you've had. And I think... Yeah, so- but it
3: also, I have to say, it also has some hiccups along the way because you're in a society that doesn't know how to measure you. You're in one that's not used to you being at whatever level you are. And that word called confidence is extremely important. And that's where you and all of us in our discussion today of therapy and the need for it comes from. And I'll add some of the things of my own journey, but I'll also add some about where some of the pro football individuals are today. Uh, not with any names, of course, but it, it, it is one that is extremely important in terms of a dialogue that needs to always be addressed.
2: Exactly, and that's what we're going to do we come back from this break. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs having an incredible interview with the NFL Hall of Famer Willie Lanier. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
0: This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
2: Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs for our first show from 2022, my 31st consecutive year on radio, a 21st year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I'll tell you what, we could not be starting this year off with a better interview with anybody better than Willie Lanier, NFL Hall of Famer. He's been kind enough to join us from Virginia this morning. And Willie, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and sharing what you're sharing with us, because as I'm listening to you talk, you're... Self confidence has been, I think, one of you, one, in addition to your physical strengths, your mental strength of self confidence is so obvious to me. But how are you able to, to keep that and, and develop that at the level you had? Number one. And number two, what would you suggest to young people today in terms of building confidence? Because we hear so much today, and I'm sure you dealt with it when you played, with coaches yelling and screaming. I just had a conversation yesterday with um, my wife's son. Uh, about his his son, who has some confidence issues. And it, it's so easy because he had a coach that yells at him all the time. He's, he's a young a teenager playing baseball, and when he makes a mistake, the coach yells at him. I'm like, that's not coaching. That's not how you teach somebody. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that.
3: Well, it's a continuum of your own development. And, and so much, and I have to do it from an African-American standpoint because that's the way our system was and still is at different times. And being here in Virginia, where all those monuments on this place called Monument Avenue were just taken down this year, they've just found one of the items that goes back to 1886 that was buried in the base of that monument that the Robert E. Lee statue happened to have been there. So,
2: Right, the time the they blocks, found a time capsule in there, correct?
3: Yes, it was. So the blocks to your confidence, the times that you were taking an exam, and you were going to be the first, if that were the word. I had many of those moments in my life, or even at the same time that being in Kansas City, uh, I know that Jim Lynch in the offseason was in the wealth management business, and I initially got into that with Payne Weather Jack, and Curtis while I was still playing. And both Jim and I had started uh, graduate school at UMKC in our rookie mm-hmm. years, so we were doing things from a business standpoint, your college standpoint, that had nothing to do with sport because sport was at the end of your academic day. Sport was never something you did in your full day because it happened to be a repetitive, rote thing. So in my view, as most of us, I hope, was that we didn't see it as something that required a lot of study because it was at the end of your academic day and it's something that's repetitive. So if you can't learn a repetitive thing pretty quickly, something's really wrong. All right. So, So with that being said, it was constantly one of different times in your life as you're moving forward, as you're coming in contact with realities that were not as favorable, and that's the way I would put it. So it was so, it was, so it was always a constant. So then if you had coaching changes and then you had situations where a team might not do as well or you had a, a reality that it appeared that the – which was a new stadium, might be more important than maybe some of the players because someone is viewing this a little bit differently than maybe someone else. But there was no way to, for you to have dialogue about it because at times your voice was not respected. Your effort was, but not your voice. So uh, with that all being said, I know that I had moved back to Richmond uh, with an opportunity with uh, the Silver Morris Company in Tobacco And with that, uh, even while I was playing, I had attended the executive program at the Darden School at the University of Virginia. So that enhanced my confidence from my own mental standpoint because I happened to be the first African-American. I was the youngest person to ever attend that program at that time in 1975. But that was not something that carried over coming back to Kansas City to play because the coaching staff was only interested in the athletic part. And that created a problem because here it was something that I had done that was expansive in my view, but it wasn't even discussed because then again, just like going back to my first year, if people had taken time to say hello and explain and understand who you are, then they would understand that your mind is what drives you. How much, how, excuse, physical-
2: excuse me, how much then is, does the topic of communication and listening come into play? when you're an athlete with your coaches?
3: Well, it's not just being an athlete with your coaches. It's when you say hello to any human being. The most important thing is to have dialogue. I think the way I would say it is that everybody who's listening to this, the first time they say hello to anybody, they should say, could we take 15 minutes of each other's time and give us a background of who you are, the things that you've done that were important to you, the things that were challenging to you, so we can have a true base of understanding before we start trying to discuss something because if either side is just trying to get their agenda on the table and you are not having a full discussion you have heard in how you relate to people so what would happen is that that's the way it was so instead of having an open dialogue to understand who each person happens to be so I think from if it were the word therapist standpoint that where the beginning of the whole thing starts to go a little bit astray. And with having said that, I know the Kansas City Chiefs have a full-time therapist on their team, but I think there are only seven teams in the league that have a full-time therapist. Other teams have someone that comes in uh, on part-time basis, which is obscene because the teams know that the young men who are able to surmount where their backgrounds happen to be, To be on this team and play at the levels they are, with every movement of their performance being shown on television and diagnosed by somebody else, is not a natural thing. Now, the Chiefs had a bad thing that happened very terrible in 2012. And with that being said, across the league, that by itself should have been enough for all 32 teams to have a full time service. And you're talking about Javon, you're
2: talking about uh, Javon Belcher. Killing his yes. girlfriend and then killing himself. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that so should well, have I'm and sure. that should have brought exactly, and that should have brought in the necessity of of having therapists around, not just at the at the professional you. level, but the, the the collegiate level as well.
3: But yeah. so any dialogue that I have with people with inside the league, I will bring up those things and I will push them out. I'm not going to be the one like Ralph Nader, and I'll make a point about Ralph Nader because Ralph Nader was just trying to save people's lives. And for younger people who don't know who Ralph Nader is, they need to look him up because he was trying to fight the auto industry that was not doing things to have awareness of safety, airbags and seatbelts to protect people and their lives. But the capitalistic system was just trying to make money, having reserves set up, having lawyers and insurance companies, if somebody sues you, pay it off and keep going. So then all of that, if we talk about mental health, is a part of the reality of what people are not doing. And it makes absolutely no sense. But in my view, what it shows is the callousness of the industries. And that's where the boldness of the individual needs to be able to maintain their own confidence. And they need to work to find their confidence in every place they can, not only from the academic standpoint, but the other part is that they need to put their values in place and have God in their life to have a understanding of things that you can't let get out of whack in an arena where the idolatry of things that go on gets too misplaced, your view of self and pride becomes too enhanced. You might have a coach who's trying to pat you on the back and tell you to go down and give 100%. And watch what I was say on this. And going down to give 100%, you can kill yourself. All right? Or you can have an injury that that does terrible things to you from a physical standpoint. Well, wait, what so, about what uh, about
2: giving one hundred and ten percent? I mean, what is that?
3: Well, well, that's the idiocy. Because I would say to that, you never even phrase it that way, because it's obscene. You can't give more than a hundred percent. So, all of that being said, it becomes one of an athletic ideal, or I would say it in this way: just like special teams, as they call them, special teams where because you're running down the field and you're hitting and slamming into people at a higher rate than necessary. And and with that being the case, in 218, 2, I was in New York at a meeting that was being chaired by Troy Vincent, uh, head of the uh, vice president of football ops with the league. And in discussions like that, I was sitting next to Mr. McCaskey, one of the owners of the Chicago Bears. So he asked me, Willie, when you play, did you have to play special teams? I said, no, Miss McCaskey, because if I had to, you never would have met me.
2: Willie, we got to go to our next break here. I, you're, you're, what you've accomplished in your life is not just about football. It's about life and people, and it's why you're successful in everything you've done. I'm talking to NFL Hall of Famer Willie Lanier. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the
0: Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.
2: Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. As I said, this is the beginning of my 31st year on radio, and I'm privileged to have, I think, maybe one of the most stimulating interviews I've ever had with NFL Hall of Famer Willie Lanier, who's been kind enough to join us this morning from his home in Virginia. Willie, thanks for waking up and being with us today. This has been fabulous. I'd like to play an interview for you and get your thoughts. You know, the coach-athlete relationship is so important, as you and I have talked. And uh, I had the privilege to interview Coach Hank Stram years ago, and I'd like to uh, play this little uh, excerpt of that interview and get your thoughts on it.
1: Uh, We were playing Denver one night, and uh, we were on a Monday night football game in Denver, and we were lousy the first half, and so we, we had to do something, you know. And so the I think the more self starters you have, the better off you are. But sometimes you have to use three of them, all three of them fear, motivation, and center motivation. And uh, I told the guys at halftime, I said, listen, you know, you, you're playing like a bunch of imposters. This is not the Kansas City Chiefs. This is somebody that pretends they're the Kansas City Chiefs. You got your name on the back of your jersey. You got the helmet with the insignia on it. You got the colors, the logos. Everybody that you ever knew in your lifetime is watching this football game, watching you play and we're looking like the raggedy-ass cadets. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to play the game like you're supposed to play it. I'm not saying you have to win the game. We are losing at halftime. And I said, you don't have to win the game, but you've got to play like you're supposed to play and uh, play with the kind of motivation that you're used to expressing uh, as the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, you're going to play this game, and you're going to give everything we possibly can give in this second half. And after grading the film, and I see that somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do the way they're supposed to do it, then you're going to wind up paying, playing the game for nothing. I'm not going to pay, pay, pay a bunch of imposters for pretending they're Kansas City Chiefs football players.
2: Oh, you did that. You that. You know what the that.
1: deal is? Now, the guys who don't want to do this, get your clothes on, get out of here, take the bus home. You pay for the bus ride. You're not coming back with us. Or if you want to play under these conditions, then get the hell out there and play like you're supposed to play. It ran out of the locker room. We won. the wound up winning
2: the game, forty-two to twenty-two, or something like let, that. Let me. So, Willie, comment on that.
1: Well, the comment on that, Doctor
3: Jacobs, <laughs> is that if it was said and when it was said, would have had zero motivation for me because I have a contract that says that you, the Kansas City Chiefs organization, owe me X number of dollars for my performance as a professional football player. So, the way I thought you, that that would have meant nothing to me.
2: That's what I thought. And I would
3: say to you, I would be offended by it because I wouldn't have had a chance to have some discussion about that because that's not the way the business operates. Business operates that I sign an agreement, you sign an agreement to perform, and I manage my performance. See, that's the part of self confidence that people have to understand that no one external to you other than God can give guidance to you of what you do. Man and man's capacity, because Mm -hmm. man is flawed, to attempt to think that they can influence a view in a moment of time. I remember we were in Oakland, California one year, and the year before we won the Super Bowl, at halftime, we were down 31 to 6. Hank came in at halftime and said that since we were behind and we scored 31, and if they scored 31 in the first half, we can score 31 in the second half and we could still have a chance. After he left the room, I told the defense that there's a difference between fact and fiction. Fact was that they scored 31. Fact is, in my view, they have a greater opportunity to score another 31 than we do. So what we need to do is to inflict pain on every play of the second half to get the psychological pain that they had put on us to express it in a physical, in a physical way. What that did, Andrew, was set the tone for us to win the whole thing of next year because we were PO'd about what they were able to do to us in a game where we would normally win by three at their place, they win by four, and ours was back and forth but always close games. And we found ourselves completely taken apart. But we were able to then do something that was beneficial, something that had actual view and value from a player's standpoint. And then the next year we were able to play all of that schedule and then play those three games against New York Open and, Minnesota and only give up 20 points because of a psychological shift we had from the prior year.
2: What would you say to young athletes today, Will, as we wrap up the show? You know, as, as I'm listening to you, as I said, your your ability to analyze and interpret things is is far superior. That who, you,
3: that who you are is not what you do. That a game is something that there might be 60 to 70 plays. And once you prepare for that 30 seconds between plays and the four-and-a-half seconds for the actual play to occur, you never give it any more thought. And all you do is to create the outcome that you would hope to have. In football, you have to always understand that physics are irrefutable, which means that if I'm larger than you, I win, regardless of whether you lift weights or not. So if I weigh 230 and you weigh 210, I win. It's physically refutable. And that there's no play more important than you. So from an accounting standpoint that your head should never strike anything, you have to take your head and neck out of play because you don't know how much force it is to do something, which I did, which was to tear a uh, blood vessel, which then became undetected subdual hematoma. And all of those things that uh, can come from that uh, did, but God's grace allowed me to be on the call today. So it's just one of uh, appreciating a gift to have a chance to participate in a sport, but let it be just what it is. It's an exercise in athleticism that you express at that moment, and it does nothing for you more than that. If you get to the pros, it becomes one play of many, And someone pays you for it. The stands are full. They're all there for the game. So in my reality is I would look around on game day and think about the importance of winning. And the point was that winning or losing, everybody got paid, Andrew. So if everybody got paid and there was uh, an outcome that might not have been favorable, you weren't paid based on a contract to say you have to win, you were paid to perform. So that's it.
2: Well, you just hit it on the head. And as we wrap up today, for young athletes who are listening to this, what would you say to them about being able to build their confidence to the level that obviously you've had to allow them to succeed in in not just sports but in life? What would you say?
3: I would say unfortunately that, that's a very high bar, okay, and, and I say it like that because having grown up in the segregated South, having gone to a historically black college, not being in quote the white world until I was twenty two and then with sport being what it was to go on to whatever that career was in sport, but then there was some there have been ups and downs in the journey because it have been. And this is, it's been many. But fortunately, the confidence of having done multiple things uh, continues to give you a chance to involve yourself in your growth and your development, and you have to keep plugging along to get the outcomes that you hope to have. So it's one of having a multiple view of self, having a degree, all rights and privileges there to appertaining. So what I mean when I say that to anyone is that in my view the most important words that you could say is i do when you marry but the next most important words that you want to hear is all rights and privileges there to appertaining because you graduated with a degree so anyone who is presenting something to you that does not have that degree forward and in my view it doesn't matter how many dollars that you might make you have to be in control of self looking for the long-term value of what you do, and then have that carry you in your future. Hopefully you maintain good health and abilities, and hopefully then you have a chance to talk to Dr. Andrew Jacobs when you're 76 from one place in this country to another.
2: Willie Lanier, my friend, it's been a privilege having you on today. This has been one of the best interviews I think I've ever listened to. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. I'll be in touch. These shows are podcasted everywhere. Go to my website, winnersunlimited.com. All the major apps, you can pick them up there. You want to get a hold of me, 816-561-5556 is my number my website, drj at winnersunlimited.com. Happy New Year. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew
0: Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour.